Welcome in. This is your Wednesday live chat for this week's Genesis Invitational brought to you by, yes, indeed, our friends over at Jock Market. That's Stock Market DFS. We'll talk more about them in just a few minutes. But welcome, welcome in. Come on in. The water's fine. Let's get those questions, those comments, those concerns into the chat right now because the next hour, it's your time. Whatever you want to talk about, we could do ownership, we could do pivots, we can do one and done, we can literally do um, anything that you want. So wherever you go, I will follow. Let's jump into this. Let's see what we can find here in the chat. Um, <laughs> this gentleman, uh, quite the gentleman, says he's played 46 lineups in 2022 and has zero six of sixes. What is the longest drought of six of six um, or my longest drought? And 2022 was supposed to be my year. Yeah, well, um, a good question. I, I don't know the answer to my own personal uh, drought numbers, I will say. When they went from T70 with MDFs down to T65 a couple of years ago. Uh, the, I mean, the six of six rate got, it just got so much smaller. It's like, um, you know, sub 10% most weeks, right? So if you are, if it was 10% every single week, it wouldn't be crazy if you went nine weeks without a six of six, right? If you were only playing one lineup, for example, or if you had kind of like similar ratings. Um, I don't know what my own personal drought is. I can tell you my personal record drought of one and done money is uh, ongoing. I think it's five consecutive miscuts. Things are going beautifully. I knew that uh, that that sweet spot, that that hot streak from the fall season was going to have to come to an end at some point. Didn't think it'd come crashing down quite like this. Good afternoon, Rick. Good afternoon, Scott. How is Morikawa overall putting on Poa? He did so bad last year with 20 to 1 outright for him, knowing he has uh, just has to putt okay to get himself in contention. Is too good to pass up. Uh, sure. Yeah, listen, and I think this was also, um, this was a really, I can't remember the exact timing of this, but there was um, either he switched his putting stroke, uh, he went to the claw grip that he'd worked with Marco Mira with, either right before this event or right after after it. So I can't remember if it was the first week he was using it. Then he lost seven and a half strokes putting. And then he went on to win, uh, the work day, or if it was, he lost seven and a half said, I got to do something different and go, um, uh, go to the claw grip and then go win the WGC. I don't remember the exact order, but this was kind of a big moment. So, um, what I've done here is uh, on the Holy Grail. So this is my website, rickrungood.com, very large golf database designed for your fantasy and betting purposes, is I've just uh, loaded in the entire field. I've I've filtered by uh, Poana Greens, and I can just click Colin Morikawa's name, and we can look at his last handful of results. And he doesn't have a whole lot of them, right? I mean, a couple of U.S. Opens, uh, a couple of Genesis, the Farmers. He is, um, you know, outside of the seven and a half that he lost at the Genesis and the five and a half he lost at Mexico. Otherwise, pretty good, right? Uh, putted better at, at Tory for the U.S. Open. He gained his first three times uh, on the putting surfaces on POA. So it's kind of a mixed bag. Uh, a couple of, you know, two really bad events would kind of drive his overall uh, average down. When someone says stack AM PM, what does that mean? Any weather updates and leans for showdown this week? So uh, yeah, it just means playing six guys that are going to be teeing off in the morning wave or six guys that are going to be teeing off in the afternoon wave. The idea, uh, you generally see more when there is 
evidence of weather coming in, whether that is uh, rain on one of the waves or winds kicking up throughout the day, something like that. Or if you see like, oh my gosh, you know, Friday afternoon is going to be like devastatingly windy. Let's go with Friday morning, guys, which also happens to be Thursday p.m., guys, because everybody plays the uh, one side of the wave. Um, there's good and bad for this. The, the bad part of, of actually trying to guess it is hard, right? I'm not a meteorologist. Uh, you're not a meteorologist. And even the meteorologists get it wrong. So if you are trying to time rain or time wind, I believe it's a hair of a fool's errand. But with all that being said, we do often see wave splits, right? Like no matter if the, if the conditions are uh, similar throughout the day, we see wave splits. Last week was a really good example um, because, uh, you know, things either warm up or um, something happens that we're not considering and guys in a certain wave tend to do a little bit better. It happens all the time. So um, that's why, that's what people are referring to when they say uh, stacking. Hey, Rick, new to the channel, but enjoying the content so far. Question for you. How would you rank these 6K players? Uh, Munoz, Clark, and Gim. Uh, so the way that I would probably try to rank multiple golfers against one another would be on the power rankings. And I'll just throw those guys in because you can load in multiple golfers. So we'll say Clark, we'll say Gim, and we'll say Munoz. Do I have Seb in here? Of course I do. Okay. So, uh, you know, you can then do this however you want. Last 50 rounds, Munoz is basically by far the best player out of these, out of these groups. Now, if you go a little bit, uh, if you go a little bit shorter, let's go 20 rounds. That's a bit more recent. Doug Gim becomes the number one player. So I would actually probably prefer this when you're talking about guys in the $6,000 range who are a bit more, uh, streaky, a bit more trendy. I'd prefer to go with a smaller number of rounds. And when I see Doug Gim not only gaining about a half a stroke per round, which is the best out of these three, but also doing it in a way mostly via the ball striking, um, that's pretty exciting. Munoz also doing it via the ball striking, but he's struggled around the greens. The short game hasn't been um, hasn't been too sharp. So kind of different ways to get it done for these guys. Wyndham Clark is just uh, uh, you know reliant on the putter. Hey, Rick. Great show. Thank you. Curious uh, how you get the DFS projected ownership numbers. Any favorite low-owned plays for the week? Okay, so I'll go over to the cheat sheet here so you can see this. And I, I don't remember seeing it as blatantly even uh, near the top of the board as, as it is projected this week. Literally like nine guys um, from 10,700 down to 9,100 are somewhere between like 13 and 15% in projected ownership. Like it's absolutely crazy. I've never seen anything like this. And it makes sense just with kind of how spread out and how uh, top heavy this field is. How do I get these numbers? I could spend nine hours describing that to you, or you'll just have to take my word for it that it is uh, a calculation that has evolved over the last five years that generally looks at um, uh, back-tested uh, golf uh, users' choices based on golfers' recent form, history at an event, pricing, uh, where they fall in the pricing compared to similarly, pri uh, similarly skilled golfers. It is just a, a calculation that has evolved and, and it's constantly evolving. It's a living, breathing creature uh, to end up getting us to what the projected ownership is. What's up, Rick? What's up, DJ? Did you do your homework on Cam Young 
over the week. He pops in your model and ranks high in strokes gained off the tee. Uh, he does. Yeah. So we can do a little bit of a, of a Cam Young deep dive here. And again, I don't have a ton of rounds on him, right? Only 118 rounds uh, in his career. Not all of them are measured rounds, but uh, what you'll notice is exactly right. DG like off the tee. He's a star. Uh, just a true star. Now, the rest of his game, a bit questionable. I do think that the combination of his two strengths, off the tee and putting, that might be best for Riviera. Uh, might be best for... There's probably a couple other places that that would also be beneficial where you want to be in really good position off the tee and then... Um, being able to roll the rock, whether, whether that's five feet for par, whether it's 12 feet for birdie, like it's, it's handy around a place like Riviera. So yeah, I'm, I'm certainly warming on cam young and, um, the skill sets that he does possess in a small sample size are very, very impressive. Sid says, am I missing a reason why Paul Casey seems so slept on? Seems like a great fit. And I see him drifting to 80 to one at places. I agree with you. Yeah. I think Paul Casey, um, because uh, it's almost, it's, he's almost like a, a light version of Rory McIlroy in terms of sentiment, which means he's only played, uh, you know, he's played exclusively on the, on the European tour for the last four starts or the Asian tour, I guess, if you count his Saudi international start as well, but he's played well ninth in Dubai. Uh, for the DP World Tour, then he starts off this year with a T12 and a T24. And you're right, the the general rule of thumb for Paul Casey is uh, ball striking. It's off the tee, it's approach, it's total driving, it's things like that. So yeah, no, I think he'll be fine this week. I think 80 to 1 is is very long, but let's remember, he's not really a prolific winner, right? He won Valspar twice. Was it Valspar? I always confuse Valspar with the other one. Um no, it was Valspar. Yeah, he's won Valspar twice. He's won Houston in 2009. That was 13 years ago. A couple of European tour wins. Won a lot more recently at the start of 2021. But like, he's not like a prolific winner. Can I, do I see him finishing in the top 10 here? Would that shock me at all? Absolutely not. But it's he's not really a prolific winner. Another question about Paul Casey. So I'm gonna I'm gonna skip that one. Um. There was a couple questions about CT Pan, so I'll I'll do that one as well. I'll try to cover my bases here right out of the gate and try to get as many of these as possible. So here's the CT Pan uh, deep dive, and when you look at the results, I start to get quite worried. Um, you know, four straight events he has lost strokes on approach. Four straight he has lost tee to green. Three of them he has lost with the putter. That's a horrible combination. It's a horrible combination. Um, does he played at Riviera before? Like, I don't even know why this would drive a question about CT Pan. T20 last year, I guess that's really it. I don't know what the argument for CT Pan would be at the moment. He's just, um, he's really struggling. I don't like this stat line at all. I don't like that profile one single bit. And sorry, I meant to change the uh, question there. There you go. It was this one, CT Pan. Oliver says, uh, hey, Rick, thank you for creating the most powerful golf DFS research database that exists on the Internet. I swear that's not my mom. That's Oliver. Thank you, Oliver. That's uh, much appreciated. Looking at Poston's profile, he has two different color bars for Bent and Poa. Please explain. I know the answer to that, um, and I will fix it. It is because uh, at some point in the official uh, PGA Tour Database, he went from JT posting with J period T period posting to uh, I think just JT without the periods, and that screws up 
uh, that those bars there. I'll, I'll fix it. I'll push an update and like when I get off air, it'll be fine. But yeah, um, thank you. Uh, thank you for telling telling me that having having another set of eyes on this stuff like it's you know we're a two person team here myself and my wife I do all the data stuff having another set of eyes is very helpful so if you see something like that don't be afraid to shout it out oh okay this is probably going to come up a lot so um is Maddie Fitz's stomach bug uh something to worry about would you pivot to Kokrak or Henley so just for those who are uninitiated and this is probably one of those one of those things we should just plug our ears and not even care about. Um, Daniel Rappaport from Golf Digest had reported that uh, Fitzpatrick did withdraw from the uh, Wednesday Pro-Am and he was, um, it's a non-COVID related illness, a stomach bug, and he is hopeful to, to play this week. Now, you can interpret that any number of ways. I don't have any more information besides that. If you are getting a little bit um, queasy, uh, uh, get it? Stomach bug. Queasy uh, of playing Matt Fitzpatrick. I think the logical pivot is Adam Scott, who is at a very uh, close projected ownership, and he's one hundred dollars more expensive. And he won this event. Uh, he's won this event twice. If you don't have the hundred to spare, Henley's fine. I could get behind that. Neiman is kind of interesting at at ten and a half percent, just because of. Um, you know, the good play at farmers and, and I, I just know that that upside is in there. So, um, I will, I don't feel the need to pivot, but I, I get it. Some people don't want to have to deal with that. Um, so Bernie or guillotine with a super chat, uh, which is never required, always appreciated is asking a question about, uh, Abraham answering the prize picks line. Now that it's moved to three and a half, any other three and a halfs? Uh, what was it before Bernie four or three? I'm assuming it was birdies and it went to, from three to three and a half, right? That was the one. Um, yeah. So I, I mentioned this a couple of times throughout the week. There is a fairly strong case to be made that there's going to be more birdies than you would expect to make this week. Um, in relation to what the scoring average is actually going to be, you're going to have a lot of birdies that are offset, uh, by bogeys and doubles and things like that. So that's, that's kind of the idea that we're getting at here. Um, the Sung J, I don't know what Sung J's number is at the moment. Let me, I'm going to try to pull this up real quick for you, Bernie and see. Um, okay. So I'm showing, I think this is what we're referring to. I'm showing answer three and a half birdies for round one, uh, up from three, I still have the over on that at like 72%, right? And that's using a longer term range of, you know, last 50 rounds, uh, other three and a half. So let's see who else is three and a half speed. is kind of weird. He's had like two rounds where he's made a ton of birdies here. Otherwise he hasn't, uh, let's see, you know, Finau and Sungjae. Um, Finau, because really three and a half birdies, the, the path of you getting there is, is taking it, taking apart the par fives, uh, and then finding one more birdie. So, uh, him and Sung Jae could both do that. Those are probably the ones that I lean the most on. Um, if you're not playing on prize picks, highly encourage you to do so. It's been an absolute blast. Um, if you use my code Rick and there is a, um, a link in the description, that'll get you a 100% instant deposit bonus up to 100 bucks. So let me, um, let me pick up my spot here again. Uh, oh, Jay-Z's in the chat. My main man, Slick Rick. He helped your bankroll grow quick. Okay, it took me a second to put that together. I like that. Thank you, Jay. Um, 
How about that halftime show last weekend? Yeah, you know, I, I actually, I didn't get to see a lot of it. I had to, uh, live. Uh, we we ran it back and we watched it on YouTube later. I was actually in the midst. This is a this is a horrible story. Um, I was in the midst. So I, I, I had my pizza dough that I had been proofing for, you know, 36 hours. I had made it days in advance. It was all I was thinking about on Super Bowl Sunday. And I made a uh, real rookie move. And I put it in a glass bowl in the fridge. So when I brought it out and I was taking the dough out, I dropped the bowl. I crashed, cracked it everywhere. It was destroyed into a million pieces right into my dough that I was just about to use to make my pizza. And I was devastated. So I was in a different frame of mind, Jay. I then had to, uh, you know, really, really reassess what was going on. But I did watch it later and it was quite, it was quite entertaining. Um, the question about Keegan Bradley. Let's see what we got with Keegan this week. Um, you know, the total driving aspect, right? That's Keegan's thing. Be long and straight off the tee. Hit your wedges well. Hit your irons well. He's gained strokes on approach in basically all but one event for, oh my God, a year and a half, dating back to August of 2020. He was a small loser at the Memorial, but it was minus uh, 0.11 stroke per round. I'll, or no, in total. I'll, I'll, I'll give him credit for that. Um I was hoping, you know, we had started to see a little bit of gains from Keegan with the putter from basically the API to the Memorial. And he's kind of lost that a little bit. But, you know, if you still think that's in there, Jay-Z, the rest of his game looks absolutely sharp. Um, let me take a couple of seconds here and talk about uh, Jock Market. So Jock Market is Stock Market DFS. They present this uh, live show. They've been a great partner for, geez, over a year, year and a half probably at this point. And it is, um, it's Stock Market DFS. And I know it seems confusing at first. I know it can be, uh, feel like a little bit of a barrier to entry, but like join us for the, the, the power hour tonight, Wednesday night, there's a power hour, 8, 15 PM Eastern time. We walk you through everything. Once you get the hang of it, once you're in the market for like a few minutes, you start to figure it out. So this is where you can buy, sell, uh, trade short shares of golfers, uh, and other athletes. I think they just added NASCAR as well. So that's coming too. And then there are, there are, uh, predetermined, uh, payouts. So if like your golfer finishes first, he gets the full 25 cent or $25 a share payout. That's what Scotty Scheffler did last week. So last Wednesday, Scotty Scheffler sold for $7 and 34 cents a share, um, paid out the full 25 bucks a share. So that's awesome. There was a time on, uh, I think it was Friday when there was an ask on, uh, Sahith Tagala for like $11 and 90 cents, something like that. Meaning you could have bought him at $11 and 90 cents. I think it was actually going into Sunday. Cause I think there was only 18 holes left and he still paid out $15 a share. So you could have still made a profit even if you got on Tagala late. So it, it's just a really interesting game. Once you get the hang of it. Um, I love it. If you use the code Rick, it is a, uh, 50, actually, I think it's still 50. They did a hundred for the Super Bowl. If you use Rick, try it. It might be up to a hundred dollar deposit match. Otherwise it's 50, it, whatever it is, it'll still be the best one available. Um, I don't know if they stopped the, the, the promo for the Super Bowl yet, or if it goes through this week. Where, where am I? Um, how's it going, Rick? Could we see another case of recent form with course history with Hunky Tony this week? So Jacob is referring to, um, you know, the Spieth example at Pebble, the Brooks example at 
Phoenix is Finau the example of someone who is playing poorly leading into the event, but with great course history. I would argue this is not nearly as elite history, Jacob, as we saw from Spieth, who was just had dominated at Pebble, uh, with Brooks, who had won there twice. Uh, this is two runner-up finishes and a 15th, and two 50th place finishes, and two missed cuts. It's not, to me, it's not nearly as compelling. Could Finau play well here? I think he can, right? I bet him here last year. I think it was 35 to one because I thought a, you know, kind of longer-ish narrow course that rewards good drivers. That's, that is what you want for Tony. So you're just kind of banking. He gets back to his DNA. I don't think you're banking on like some version of elite course history. Cause I'm not sure. I'm not sure that's what we're seeing right now. Uh, especially compared to those, those other guys. Hey, Rick, long-time listener. Love all that you do. Thank you, Woody. Can you do go more in-depth on what happened to Victor last week? It certainly summed me how bad he played, for sure. So um, we can look at the stats on this. So Victor lost strokes off the tee and on approach last week. The last time that, he's, that he did that was the 2020 PGA Championship. He did it at the 2020 Memorial. He did it at the 2020 Honda Classic. That's it. Those are the only four occurrences of that happening. Um, if you want to play the bounce back game, uh, struck it well at the tour championship the next week after, oh no, sorry, I'm, I'm one, struck it well at the uh, Northern Trust the next week after the PGA championship. I mean, I think it's an outlier, right? We have not seen uh, in his young career this happen too often and it doesn't happen too frequently. I thought he looked a little... Um, I don't know. Victor's got that like bounce about him. And when things are going well, it's all smiles. Even when things aren't going well, it's all smiles. I thought he just looked a little, a little off and uh, maybe a little bit frustrated with his game. And, and statistically that's what's showing up as well. I'm probably not going to read too much into this four out of what 60, 70 starts for him is what, you know, is, is what we saw where he lost strokes off the team approach. I think it'll be just fine. There is a big payout figure this week. Is it a good time to use my top guys for one and done? I've Xander in right now. Who else should you consider as a guaranteed top 10 finish? No one. No one in the world of golf is ever a top 10 guaranteed finish. However, Patrick Cantlay and John Rahm are trying to uh, disprove that theory. Um, I, I, I don't think it's guaranteed. And yes, you, you should probably be, be using your guys. The first place payout this week is uh, 2.1 million. And between this and... You know, then in a couple of weeks, we have the players championship. There is a ton of money up for grabs, like in this like four or five week period, whatever this is. Um, I, I think that uh, there's something interesting about Hideki when he plays well. on. Uh, he always plays well on harder courses. He has a couple of top tens here. He is literally the hottest golfer on the planet right now. So last 20 rounds, raw strokes gained. Nobody's been better than Hideki. Nobody. Not Hoagie, not Cantlin Hoagie, right? That's the name I use. Um, Rawlstra, he's been that good, and I don't think he ever gets credit for it. So um, I, I really like the way Hideki's trending this week, but I would not call anybody a guaranteed top 10. Okay, so here's the here's the question about Neiman that I was kind of alluding to a little bit earlier because he did show up uh, on a lot of the models that I ran earlier in the week, as Dan is noting here. And, um, you know, you go and you look at some of his stats, and even when he doesn't play well, the stats are still 
mostly fine, right? Like the miscut at the RSM, he gained strokes off the tee approach around the green. Then this is this is the blueprint, right? This is Joaquin Neiman. Uh, three and a half strokes off the tee game, 3.6 on approach at Farmers. Difficult golf course. That's only three rounds. Remember that. And then he plays well in Saudi Arabia. So we've got two really good starts, compelling cases to be made early in 2022. Is only two starts of 2022. Um, I'm I'm fairly optimistic about Joaquin. I want to see what his putting stats are. I wish we knew what he did in Saudi Arabia because remember he was. Um, he was one of the better putters on tour last year. And then he went through this stretch at the end of the year where he just punted or at the end of the season, I should say, or no end of the year. And he punted all these strokes away putting. He gained at, at Tory. I wish we knew what he did in Saudi Arabia because I'd really love it. If I knew he gained like two strokes putting there. So yeah, I think there's a lot of reasons to be optimistic in general. Uh, what finishing position do you think the top golfers need to produce to make value? I feel like it's top five is the only way. Yeah, that's, generally true. It also, uh, I also think it kind of depends on what other guys around him do. That's kind of the way that I look at it more often is like, okay, if you have, you know, these guys above $10,000, which for, uh, you know, this week it's, it's Rom, it's can't lay it's, it's Justin Thomas, it's Colin Morikawa, it's Dustin Johnson. Like who of those guys is going to be the most valuable. Uh, and you can get away with can't lay or Rom being like T six. If everybody else is like T 18, right. That you can get away with that just because, there's really just a lot of natural bills to this is not necessarily a true value game. Like you normally get for like an NBA lineup building process. So I kind of look at it as different tiers, uh, but generally for the big boys. Yeah. If you're not finishing in the top five, you're probably not super thrilled with, um, with having paid that much for them. Barry asked the question about fading the entire 10K range, which is, um, oh boy, it's terrifying, right? The, the, the argument is the depth of guys that you could get. You could get Xander, Rory, Hideki. Maybe could you start with those guys? Could you get uh, Cam Smith, who I think sports books are trying to tell us something on this week? Could you start, you know, Rory, Hideki, Cam Smith and go from there? It's appealing. I worry about that, but I, I think there's a lot of viable options this week, and that's never been more viable. Oh, I did not realize Tiger was doing his news conference right now. Ian says, you're running up against the Tiger news conference. You should have delayed it until 4 p.m. Yeah, I probably should have. Uh, mind helping me pick three. I don't know what this is for, so this is kind of hard for me to answer, but it says list, hoagie, nah, answer, coke, rack, power. I... Uh, I don't know how different you want to be or if it's fantasy scoring or anything like that, but I guess in a vacuum, the three that I would go with are probably power hoagie answer, but I'm not confident in that. Which stat, if any, best links with a player's playoff winning chance, or is it just a lottery? Already had three playoff losses on my card this calendar year. Make it stop. Yeah, you're unlucky. Sorry. Hey, Rick, just wanted to mention a typo on the Paul Casey FanDuel price in your Golf Digest write-up. You got me excited about locking him into lineups. I will let the Golf Digest editors know. Thank you very much. Who is the most over-owned and under-owned golfer on the slate? All right, let's look at the projected ownership here. <clears throat> let's start with over-owned. And I'll just sort by projected ownership to kind of make this a little bit easier on myself. 
Um, Leishman. What's the what's the argument for Leishman? You've got the um, you know, you've got the the Aussie narrative. You've got a couple of top tens here. You also have a couple of missed cuts here. He's played fine, but there's a lot of guys in that price range that I think are are interesting as well. The most underowned. So we'll go. Uh, we'll just kind of go back here. Most underowned. I mean, it could be Brooks. <coughs> Sorry, guys. It could be Brooks. I have him at nine and a half percent. Um, so I don't know if you guys know this, and I, I meant to write this up at some point. Uh, Brooks goes as his approach play goes. So if you start going and looking at at, at Brooks's uh, best results or best approach weeks, uh, it would be generally pretty correlated with his ball striking. And we saw that again last week. And I also, um, you know, anecdotally saw him hit some shots that I have not seen him hit like that in, in some time. I mean, they were just these high piercing, perfect ball flights. I mean, it was, it was impressive. And now to go to another tough golf course where you are asked to beat out all, every single top 10 player in the field. That is, um, I think it could be a, 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 a Brook spot. Phil with the super chat. Thank you. Spieth outright at 45 to one. We don't like him this week for some reason. I know you don't like how he sprays it. Yeah. I mean, listen, the, um, the path to Spieth winning this week is kind of a uh, short game and putting. There's going to be a lot of missed greens for everybody. If he can get up and down at kind of a magical rate, I get it. I just think that he could put himself in some really horrible positions around Riviera. He could, he could. And I think it's, it's a playing with fire kind of dangerous situation. I would only, if I'm, I, I, I couldn't play him in DFS. I would only, if I was going to have any exposure to Jordan Spieth, it would be via the outright ticket. That's the only place that I would uh, that I would get there. Outright card for this week. Yeah, I kept it pretty small. Uh, I think five. Let me pull this up really quickly. While I'm doing this, a reminder that I'll be at Riviera probably Thursday. Definitely Thursday, maybe Friday as well. So if you're going to be there. Give me a holler. It was nice meeting a lot of you guys over at uh, Tory. So um, let's see. Yeah. Okay. So I've got uh, Victor, which I always bet uh, 25 to one. Uh, I bet Rory. So Rory and Victor are like the two uh, shorties on the card. Uh, and then Sung J M is, is, is at 43. Uh, those are the only ones I bet. I actually uh, I'm saving two more spots. Those are the only three that I bet. I will probably, end up getting to, and there'll be a little bit longer shots. I wouldn't mind um, like Adam Scott or even like uh, Lonto, which is terrifying to say, but I'll probably just fill it out with two more guys like 60 and above and just call it, call it a day. <clears throat> so this is always a common question uh, from Joshua around guys playing on their home course. In this case, it is, Francesco Molinari, um, who, you know, has a house there and has been playing Riviera apparently for months and months and months. Um, it, it's impossible to say, right. You know, we have heard so many different golfers say, Oh, when I got to my home course or this place that I'm familiar with, and I got there and it was, there were all the infrastructure was there, the different tee boxes, the lines are different, all that stuff. It wasn't as great as I thought it was going to be. So I'm not, putting too much stock in, in the, in the old, uh, 
this is my home course, just like I don't for anybody else. Who's been gaining steam for you since Monday? Okay. This is a good game to play. Um, I think the answer to that is probably, I'm just looking at the list of names here. Joaquin Neiman would definitely be on the short list. We talked about him. Sung Jay would definitely be on the short list. Kind of talked about him. Sam Burns. I think it's a good spot for Sam Burns. And I know he's coming off two missed cuts and um, the game hasn't looked as sharp this year, but I, I, uh, I can't, I don't know how much I can say. Um, what do we think about this? I, I had a chance to talk with Sam yesterday. I thought he was in good spirits. I thought he worked with, uh, it seemed like he had gotten good practice in. That's all I'll say. I don't know. I mean, listen, golf's hard. Golf's weird. Everybody thinks they, they get good practice in and all that stuff. So, so take it for what it's worth. <clears throat> Rick started one and done last week. First time playing it. Do you go with a horse like can't lay, can't lay this week or save and go for Cam Smith Fitzpatrick? Thanks, dude. Also first week playing prize picks. LFG. LFG. Yeah, so I have no problem with you burning somebody big here. Um, do I think it's ideal? No, because we have every single player in the top 10, but it's 2.1 million up top. So, and it's a smaller field, right? It's like it's 120 or something. So I don't mind you burning somebody big. JT and Colin are projected for the most DK points on your cheat sheet, despite Rom and Cantlay being the class of the field. Can you explain why that is and how projected points are determined? Yeah, so um, I'll kind of lump this into the conversation with, uh, and I'll, I'll show you the cheat sheet so you can see, kind of lump this into the conversation around um, the, uh, the, pro the projected ownership calculation as well. This is a multi-year constantly being tweaked calculation that looks at a blended short and long-term view of golfers uh, with fantasy points, right? There are obviously guys uh, who outscore their expectations in fantasy points than they do in just kind of like the raw leaderboard. And uh, birdie streaks are more valuable. Eagles are more valuable. Um, so it, it's, I don't have a better answer to you that wouldn't take nine hours. That's just like, yeah, that's the calculation. Right. And it's, it's super heavy on fantasy points because that's what we're trying to project here. And, um, it, it likes the way that the two elite ball strikers in the field set up for Riviera is essentially what it comes down to. Do I think the Seamus power run is over? No, I don't think the Seamus power run is over, you know, continues to be an elite ball, uh, elite might be a strong word, great ball striker. And he's a great putter. He had like what three bad rounds. And one of them was in the heart of battle, like, nah, all good. It's a good spot for him too. It's not over. It's not over yet. Lower tier dart throw. Rye, Mito, Munoz, Han. Uh, I might put Mito in front of Rye, but the rest of that looks pretty good. Yeah, you could use DJ in a one and done, Robert. That's pretty good. How do you go about researching first round leaders? So there's a couple of different ways. You want... 
volatile golfers, golfers that can go out and, um, you know, gain a bunch of strokes over the course of a single round. Um, you know, you could go to something like the Holy Grail here and you can uh, just sort by round one, which I kind of think is interesting because there is definitely a, a different level of uh, pressure on round one. And then I kind of look for guys that don't necessarily align with like the true outright odds or their first round leader odds. So like Sergio Garcia, um, you know, the third best round one golfer uh, in this field since the start of 2008. And his last four opening rounds, um, three of them have been across the uh, uh, across the pond on the European tour. You know, he's gained five strokes at the Desert Classic. He gained two and a half at the DP World Tour. He gained five at the uh, Mayakoba event. Like, that's what you want to see. Guys that can gain four, five, six, seven strokes in a single round. That's how you win kind of the first round leader. Some of these guys are a bit more consistent when they do it. I think Kuchar's one of them. Yeah, Kuchar's just like a constant gainer, but never gains more than like four strokes in a single round, right? You want these really volatile, like Keegan's the perfect example, right? Keegan might lose you three or four strokes, but he can gain you five, five, seven, four. Like that's that's what I generally look for. But let's be real. First round leaders are kind of, kind of crap shooting. <clears throat> Greetings, Rick. I sincerely hope your afternoon is sparkled with whimsy and delight that escape so many. Kindly describe the traits that would allow Luke List to attain another triumph. Well, George, thank you for that. Uh, the path to Luke List winning this golf tournament is pretty similar to the path of Luke List winning at Torrey Pines which is uh, his ability to hit the ball far, his ability to play out of the fairway more often than his peers, or at least gain strokes off the tee more often than his peers, and the uh, second shot. Now, there is a case to be made that the California POA, which uh, often has you missing five-footers more frequently across the board, is good for the bad putters. Like Luke List always misses five footers. Now his peers are also missing them too more often. It starts to level the playing field a little bit. So there is a fairly strong case to be made that Luke List could attain another triumph. Thank you, Rick. Why are you why are you fading your one and done pick uh, in DFS on the first cut? I know you're struggling, but there has to be a method to your madness. So what I think you're referring to here, no Dak for many, is. Um, that like cheat sheet that we put out for the first cut, uh, which, yeah. So this is, again, it's, it's a fairly nuanced situation. Bubba Watson, we're talking about Bubba Watson. To me, uh, Bubba Watson is not someone that I want to end up playing in DFS because I think he's going to be fairly popular. Uh, however, I'm okay with using him in non-value games like a one-and-done situation. I also am not like 1 million percent sold on Bubba. I'm like 75% sold that he's going to have a good week this week. And I just think that um, any game in which he is... Uh, not a kind of like value type situation or doesn't have like a, a price attached to his name, I think is a better way to roll him out. 
Hi, Rick. I'm new to golf, but it seems like this is a tough course with a lot of volatility. Does it make sense to play stars and scrubs given that most uh, more expensive players would make the cut? Uh, it is a tough course. There is a decent bit of volatility. It's not as volatile as like Torrey Pines, for example. But yeah, there are some guys with really, really good course history around here. Does it make sense to play stars and scrubs given that more expensive players would miss the cut? Uh, it kind of goes against the volatility argument, doesn't it? The volatility argument would be if this is volatile, uh, stars will miss the cut more frequently than they should. So maybe you shouldn't go with more expensive players. I don't think there's a right answer to be honest. I'm just playing devil's advocate here a little bit. I would say, um, I would prefer a more balanced build over stars and scrubs this week. I just think there's so much, uh, uh great golf being played by the guys from like 9,900 to 8,300, something like that, that I would, I would probably just prefer that way. Does it ever make sense to bet anyone better than 25 to one pre-tournament or wait to live bet cutoff number? Um, I mean, obviously it does make sense. I, you know, the, the top of the board that we're seeing is, is always so crazy, right? Like Rom being five, six, seven, eight to one is just, it's absurd, right? And you can't really bet that long-term with any level of respect for yourself. Um, Unless you're just trying to have someone who, you know, if you're, if you're doing it seriously, if you're not just bet whatever you want, but the, uh, there are like, you know, there are obvious values in some situations. Like when Rory McIlroy touches 20 to one at CJ cup, like you have to bet that like you, you're getting Rory at 20 to one. He goes out, wins the golf tournament happened at Wells Fargo too, I believe. Um, so like there are definitely times to be betting guys under 25 to one, but th the larger point is that it's fairly insane what the short, short numbers are. I've answered um, a lot. Of, there's a lot of questions about Cam Young. A lot of questions about Cam Young. Great off the tee player, all that good stuff. You can go back and um, listen to what I had to say about that. Uh, here is, uh, <laughs> oh, Lincoln. Lincoln's a good guy with the super chat here. He says, hey, Rick, three quick things. Thanks for all you do. Number one, thank you, Lincoln. Two, I think Ron makes a statement this week against the stack field. And three, last but not least, hug Oliver for me. Yeah, thank you, Lincoln. Much, much appreciated. Very, very sweet of you. Um, Rom is um so darn good. So I, I I wrote this. I don't know if I wrote this up in my newsletter this week or last week, but it is um he is gaining uh three strokes per round at something like a 50% clip. It is an outrageous amount of ceiling and floor at the same time. Patrick Cantlay's done it next. He's done it like 36% of the time. And then the next closest guy's done it like 23% of the time. It is, um, it's insane what he's up to. It's insane. So it, the wins are coming. Thanks again, Lincoln. Oh, okay. Hold on a second. Uh, let me see if she's, if she wants to come on. So there's a question here about producer, producer Mina, who, quote, nailed it last week with Sexy Scott. I will, you know, I think she was going for Adam Scott, but we'll give her credit. Okay, let's bring her on. Hold on. I've got to get my headphones on, or I'm not going to be able to hear what she, what she has to say here. All right, here we go. Hello. Um, you were not trying to get the Scotty Shuffler last week. Yeah, yeah, Sexy Scott is Scotty Shuffler. Yeah, so this week... 
I'm gonna go with the other Scott, which is Adam Scott. You're gonna go for back. <laughs> what do you think the chances are of back-to-back -back Scott's winning? I don't know. If anybody can say, what are the chances? It's you. I think you should have said, uh, I think Scott wins this week, which would have given you Scotty, Adam Scott, or any of the guys from Scotland you could have uh, turned in on, on Sunday night and took, taken credit for. Uh, I feel confident enough in Adam Scott. Fun fact. So just to be clear, it is Adam Scott. It's Adam Scott, the Australian. Like beige colored. Beige on beige guy. on beige is generally yeah. the and uh, two years ago today was his most recent win on the PGA Tour. So you're you're in this event. for like the anniversary thing. I'm big on anniversaries, as you know, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. I'm big on Australians, as you know. Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. of course history, excellent. So that's my pick. Goodbye. Thank, thank you very much. Goodbye. There you have it, straight from the horse's mouth. Uh, Zach Jeffers says, did you trounce Mayo out at Summerlin this week? <sighs> yeah, but we both played like garbage, right? Uh, it was so windy and hard. I mean, they was firm fast. The stimp was 11, seven, and it was 30 mile an hour winds with 40 mile an hour gusts, 50 mile. It was outright. I've never, I was hitting an eight iron either a hundred yards or 200. Yards. I mean, it was outrageously difficult out there. We both got smoked. It was good to see Pat. Hypothetically, if all the players in the field show up with their current ceiling, who do you have winning? Oh, see, that's interesting because I actually think Rom's Rom's ceiling is um very high, but it's also like his floor is so close to his ceiling, where which is why he's constantly up there, but like we never see him run away with it. Like a true ceiling guy is like like Rory's, like Rory's ceiling is win by multiple shots. Uh, Morikawa's ceiling is like win by multiple shots. Even Patrick Cantlay, Patrick Cantlay's ceiling. Oh my God. So I would say if everybody shows up with their ceiling, like Cantlay or Morikawa, probably, I, I think that's just like, Cantlay could gain 10 strokes putting and be great everywhere. Morikawa might hit everything to two feet. Like that's the, like that's the ceiling stuff. Leverage plays in each range. I'm surprised it took us this long to get into it. Um, so uh, I don't think the uh, the leverage play in the 10K is not ramen can't lay, right? So it seems like everyone or most people are taking one of them and then someone else in the 9K, uh, whether it's the low 9K or whatever, or people are starting in the 9K. I've never seen it this bunched before between 13 and 16% for basically 10 guys. Um, so the only pivot in that kind of range there appears to be not Cantlay and Rom or Brooks would be like the only other guy, right? Something like that. Uh, then you move down. Um, Sam Burns is probably your pivot. Uh, Sergio is probably your pivot or actually at this point, if you're, if you're okay with the stomach bug, Matt Fitzpatrick is probably your pivot hoagie. The fact that, uh, Whoa, my mouse went nuts there. The fact that Luke list is like two and a half times the projected ownership of Tom Hoagie is a joke. Friends Hoagie is, uh, scorching right now. Do you think Maddie Fitzpatty will tee it up tomorrow? I don't know. I have no idea. I started watching Euphoria with my girlfriend, so now she's interested in getting more into golf. Is Euphoria about golf? We're watching Succession right now. Succession right now. Don't spoil it. We're like 
do I shouldn't have said do not spoil it in the chat. We'll block you forever. Um I don't know anything about Euphoria, but as 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 far as introducing people into golf, um so if she's serious about like getting better, there are some really good uh female like YouTube instructors like um Golf with Amy or something like that. Hold on, Armina's going to text me. Yeah, Golf with Amy and there's somebody else that she watches, I think. Um no. Golf with Amy is probably the way to go. Jim asks a very good question. After a tournament, do you ever go back and review stats for a golfer you may have been too high on uh, or may not have been too high on to see if you overlooked or undervalued something? Yeah, all the time. Um, so I kind of have a, a running kind of like back testing thing. And yeah, sometimes there's a blind spot. Sometimes there's a whiff. Sometimes it's like this had to be an outlier. It's, um, it, and really, really what I, what I like to do is like Phil's. Okay. So Phil Mickelson's PGA championship is the perfect example of this, where, um, I was very high on Phil the weeks leading up to the PGA championship because he was doing things with approach that he hadn't done in a long time. And then he won the PGA championship. And that was still obviously a huge shock to me. Like that was like, well, I didn't see that coming, uh, even though I was very high on him. And then you look at the six months after and you're like, wow, that was the outlier. So like you, I think you have to like reassess all the time, which is kind of what I'm doing. The absolute best one and done pick for this week. What does my gut say? The absolute best one and done pick this week is uh, Dustin Johnson. Confidence level on Peters for DFS this week, 6.9 out of 7. No, out of 10. Jeez, that would have been bad. Heading to Vegas for the first weekend of March Madness. Do you agree everyone should experience it at least once? Uh, March Madness or Vegas? Uh, I guess in both cases, yes. Go to Circa. You will not be disappointed. Look at this. Rick coming to Vegas next week. Everybody loves Vegas. Um, looking to walk around and casually play some craps. Where should I go? Bellagio, Caesars. Go to the win. It's better. I play on a site where the cheapest players get 1.25 times points. Who would be a good players to target? Should I aim for mid-range like Peter's list or should I go for Gim Clark and Han? I don't, um, not as familiar with these. Uh, I, I, I Clark and Gim, I think are fine. Yeah, I'm definitely better than Pat, which is not a knock on Pat. I, I play year round. He he had, probably hasn't swung a golf club in four months, uh, but we both lost to the wind in a big, big way. We, we must have dumped a dozen golf balls out there each. It was outrageous. <clears throat> I do not like the read stuff. No. The Pat, so like, like I, I, you know, I'm trying to get through as many of these questions as possible, but like the Patrick Reed stuff is so fascinating because of, Yes, I know he's a nine-time winner, 10-time winner on the PGA Tour, and he doesn't have to have good form, but look at this. This is horrendous. He is not a good ball striker. Um, he's His short game hasn't even been as good. This is just like whiff after whiff after whiff after whiff for Patrick Reed. Uh, I, I don't see much to be optimistic about here. I mean, even in Saudi Arabia, he finished his T-38. Should have been like the ninth best player of that field. Come on. 
I am way behind on questions. So I apologize. At least, at least a lot of these I've answered. <clears throat> a lot of stars and scrubs questions or, or uh, deep dive. I prefer the, the, the deep dive. Okay. Good question about Lonto uh, really quickly here. Yeah. So I, I, I casually mentioned him as someone that I might round out my betting card with. And um, I worry uh, very much about his short game. And if he hits one bad chip or pitch, I, I worry that it's gone. However, he has been nearly perfect in 2022. And when I say perfect, I mean gaining across the board in every category um, for all of his tournaments. So the only time he's lost in any category at any tournament was off the tee, less than a quarter of a stroke at Tory. Otherwise, it's all green. This is like pitching a perfect game, right? So that's um, that's very exciting to me. I I continue to enjoy that. Uh, Adam Scott folded like a bad lawn chair last week on 16. Are you off him at all this week? No, I would never let one bad hole or shot or anything uh, ruin my perception on a golfer. Hey, Rick, your boy Sia had a great take. Roar Vieira on Monday show. Amazing. Can we get his ownership compared to the rest of the 9K range? Yeah, he falls into that category of like, the line's 15%. Might be a couple percentage points over. It might be under. There might be late steam for some guys, but it's just jam-packed there. Okay, good. I'm glad I've answered a lot of these, which is very, very good because I felt bad that I was uh, 30 minutes behind. Oh, lots of questions about Lonto. Yeah, baby, let's go. Favorite golfer under 7,400, asks Sean. I would probably go with... I mean, Lonto 72, that's fine. Um, Martin Laird, Martin Laird. I don't love it. I'm okay with it. And the other one that I would probably throw in there is like Carlos Ortiz. That's, that's probably, that's probably the short list. Pulled up the stream and Rick is talking about Victor. What a shock. <laughs> they ask, they ask about him. What am I supposed to do? Hey, Rick, love all the content. Would it be better to pivot off Scott this week? Homa, Fitz, or Gooch? Uh, oh, okay. So the, one of those guys, if you pivot off of Scott, I'm pretty sure Gooch is the guy. Love the way Gooch is playing. Yeah, some steam for DJ one and done. All good with that. No problem there. Who are the best guys on these greens? Okay. So let me just go get this situated here. So this will go back to the start of uh, 2018. Let me make sure I have POA clicked. I do. And we can go by putting. Best golfer, Patrick Rogers. Oh, boy. P. Raj, man. If he could, if he could like hit a fairway, he'd be splendid. Uh, so he gains over eight tenths of a stroke per round with the putter on POA. Has gained in four in a row, five in a row. And basically like 10 of his last, maybe 11 of his last 12. And actually, I think it's better here. So uh, last year, he gained seven strokes putting here. Year before, he gained 1.2. And year before that, he gained four. So he's never lost uh, at the rib. Wyndham Clark, Adam Hadwin, Troy Merritt, Mav McNeely, Patrick Reed, David Lipsky, Cam Smith round out kind of the rest of that group. 
Did I miss the Marty Laird portion of today's show? No, it was mostly me going, oh, Marty Laird? Uh, I don't know. That was basically the entirety of the Marty Laird conversation. I like, don't love is kind of where I'm at on him. Terry just says, new to Golf DFS. Thank you for all your info. Thank you. A lot of just random conversation, which is good for everybody, but bad for me as I'm trying to sort through this. Thoughts on Scotty Runback? Um, I've thought a lot about this this week. I'm torn, quite frankly. So uh, the good news about Scotty is that he—I I don't think the wind imp impacts the wind. The wind impacts him all that much. I think that he is one of the most even keel. Never too high, never too low golfers. I know he's been at Riviera, I think since Monday, grinding, looking good, all that stuff. Um, so I, I don't I don't worry about that. It's not like it's a long trip or anything as he stayed back to do his winter, winter uh, uh, obligations. The only issue I have with Scotty Scheffler is uh, him being overly aggressive with the driver and putting himself in bad spots. Otherwise, I'm fine. If he can just play from the fairway or close by, I think he has a really good week um, because of uh, kind of the rest of his all-around game. And obviously he's playing really, really well. So that's the only concern. If the guy hits fairways or doesn't blow it, you know, 15, 20 yards right off his, off the drive, oh, he's going to be great. That, that's my only hesitation with him. Rick, love the website. Looking at shots gained, including Euro Tour info, Thomas Peters is third in the field. Can we weigh the Euro Tour data that strong to consider Peters as a long shot? So let me just make sure we're on the same page here. Um, so this is the raw, what do you want to do? Uh, 24 rounds? That would be in Thomas Peters' like wheelhouse, wouldn't it? Uh, so last 24 rounds, Players in this field, I have Thomas Peters as, do I even see him? Thomas Peters. Someone point him out to me. Am I missing Thomas Peters? I have to be. I have to be. Oh, 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 sorry, sorry. I have a filter on. Oh, I'm such an idiot. Sorry. Apologies. Apologies. Here we go. Okay. Woof. We are all on the same page now, Michael. My bad. Uh, yes. Okay. So Thomas Peters getting 2.2 strokes per round over the course of his last 24. Now, if we weigh this, so he goes, that's second or yeah, second uh, to Patrick Cantlay. If we go to the weighted version and we do just players in this field. So it went from 2.22. Let this recalculate here for a second. And it was last 24 rounds. I get Peters as. Yeah, much worse, like 0. 0.6. So that's that's how I weight that. So even those wins from Peters. So I have him below Kucher, Fitzpatrick, Knox, uh, Ryan Palmer. Yeah, that's that's um, when when you do the weighted stuff, he's 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 much he's much lower on the list. I hope that helps. I hope we're on the same page. That was confusing. I had a filter on my bad. <clears throat> I think we're in overtime right now, but that's okay. Let's, let's just do it. Let's just keep going. Um, 
If you have to use someone big for one and done, DJ. Mike says, following up to prize picks, use code Rick, and it was still 100% up to 100 bucks. Thank you, Mike. Much appreciated. Uh, this is kind of like a similar question that, okay, so if you're looking at ownership across the board, it's going to be different. Um, will anyone tell you what's good and what's bad? No, because there's not an overall source of like, hey, what was your R squared for this week? What was your R squared for this week? What was your R squared for this week, right? Nobody wants to give that up, and especially for fluid ownerships. I will tell you, I'm quite happy with the results of my projected ownership over the last three or four years. I think it's really good. I think it's really fair. It's never going to be perfect. There's always going to be weeks that are weird. There's always going to be players that are going to be weird. And especially in a time where we get a lot of weight with late withdrawals, all that stuff. So um, do what you think, right? Like you don't have to blindly follow any source. Just do what you think is right, right? We're all doing, we're all making educated guesses. Uh, just do what you think is right. Going to round three, first time here. Any advice for walking the course? Yes. Here's the definitive answer about watching golf at Riviera. There are two spots to post up behind the 10th green elite spot, because you will see guys play that hole 900 different ways. And if you are behind the 10th green, uh, you might get hit with a golf ball. So pay attention. Then you're also able to see them tee off on 11, like right in front of you. Uh, secondly, the hillside on number two will fill up quickly, but it is a great spot to watch golf from, and the sun beats on you very nicely there. Otherwise, if you're going to walk the course, walk it backwards. Have a great time. <clears throat> I'm so glad I've answered a lot of these. Who will you who will you be targeting on jock market tonight? Um the Wyndham Clarks of the world. You know, the you know, I, I'd be interested to see okay, like Matt Fitzpatrick is pretty risk-free on jock market because if he WDs before the event, they'll they'll just refund you his shares. So that would probably be pretty interesting for people who might not want to get involved. Now, if he um if he uh <laughs> if he starts and then withdraws, I don't know what jock market's going to do, but um I don't know. Um, 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 Hey Rick, any, uh, truth to a model I saw that had Cantlay ranked as 60th in the field on fast Poa greens. I'd, I'd have to see the data set, you know, um, you, you should be generally wary of, um, when someone tells you these are fast, slow, medium, whatever that information has not been officially available. Uh, from the PGA tour until recently, like the last six months, uh, where now, and I hope to have this on the website soon, there is a stimp reading that is given via the PGA tour feed for uh, basically every hole for every day. So that will be making its own its appearance on the uh, rickrungood.com soon. But, but I would be very wary, wary or weary. I think wary of, stuff like that. The data could, it's kind of like wind. The data could be very wonky there. What are the pictures and posters in the background? Okay. So those are from a company, um, called minimalist golf prints. They are really cool, very much my style designs of famous golf venues. So I've got, uh, Kiowa, 
Kapalua Augusta National. That's actually one of two different Augusta National models. I have Mayakoba, and then there's one over here that you can't see. It's Chambers Bay. Uh, that's my second set of them. There is actually a link in the description because they they uh, candidly they hooked me up with those, and I appreciate it more than anything. Um, so there's a link in the description uh, for I think it's ten percent off if you want to buy them. They're very 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 sharp. Who has the best chance of winning in the 6K range? Oh my God. Okay, let's do that. Uh, probably. Oh, great question. Stellar question. I'm vamping while I think about this. Probably. Boy. This is that's a really great question because I would prefer to someone who has like winning ability. Maybe JT Poston. You know, he's played well enough around here. If he got hot with the putter, I wouldn't mind that. Maybe it is Martin Laird. I don't know. I'll, I'll go with Poston. Yes, these fairways are very hard to hit. Martini, uh, second hardest to hit fairways on tour last year. Third hardest greens to hit last year. Oh, get a couple invites to South Florida. Okay. Could you do a deep dive on Kevin? Nah. Okay. Yeah. Let's do the deep dive on Kevin. Nah. Let's do the old Kevin. Nah. Vegas guy plays out of Southern Highlands. Let's do Kevin. Nah. Oh, we're six minutes over time. This is great. All right. Let's keep going. So, um, I actually think this is quite encouraging. The uh, so the often see numbers for for Kevin Na are not great. However, they are uh, better in the uh, very short term. Century Tournament champion, Sony Open, great. The approach play it's been a lot better for Kevin Na. Right, look at this stretch of golf from the WGC Workday to the PGA Championship, where he basically lost strokes on approach every single week. Now he's gained. Five, two, six, three, all in his last six measured starts. The around the green play always going to be splendid. The putter always good. Um, Dustin, you're talking me into Kevin Na. Should I? I'm just going to bet Kevin Na, I think. Uh, don't let me forget. Somebody just don't let me forget that. Kevin Na. Hit the lick button. Oof, that would be an interesting button to have. Deep dive on Doc Redman. Game seems to be trending in the right direction. I will say that, um, yes, it is trending slowly. It has been slowly trending in the right direction. Uh, and I've always said about Doc, and he's told me this himself, the um, the best courses for him are kind of longer, more narrow driving courses, which I think you could argue this would be a pretty good spot for. And he's usually up for the challenge for hard courses. I am still approaching with caution. However, I agree. Um, we we are rounding the corner on Doc. What do you mean when you say weighted? Uh, so there is a, again, fancy schmancy calculation that takes into account strength of field amongst other factors uh, for the week to assign weights to strokes gained. So for example, it is much more impressive if you gain five strokes at the U S open with all the best players in the world at a very difficult golf course, than gaining five strokes in Bermuda. 
No offense to Bermuda. The field is not as strong. It's way more impressive to do one of those things than the other. So that is a calculation that tries to level the playing field a little bit. Uh, Will Zalatoris is now the best player on tour without a win. Any shot there will ever be a listener's league contest on DraftKings in the future? Probably not. I'll be real honest with you here, Mark. Um, they kind of dusted me on this. I reached out to them in like two years ago and they, first of all, ran me around to nine different people about setting one of these up. And then when I finally got to the right person, it was like almost an interrogation. I'm like, I'm asking for like a thousand person listener league. I don't think that's that outrageous. Right. And, um, quite frankly, they pay me exactly $0 to spend a lot of time and energy to promote uh, golf on DraftKings, and I was a little bit bothered by it. So, uh, no, there's probably no shot there will be a listener's league on DraftKings in the future. That's kind of what happened. Oh my God, Dylan, you're sick. How interesting, difficult, fun do you think it would be to have a golf course with varying greed speeds? One being the slowest, 18 being the fastest. How sick are you? So I guess going in order is better than like if you had 18 randomly different speeds of greens, uh, it would be very difficult. It would not be that interesting and it would not be that fun. I guess interesting it would be fun, not so much. Okay, I'm finally caught up, I think. I'm not as worried about Fitzpatrick, but I can take on a lot of risk. I don't really care. So uh, I'm not that worried about Fitzpatrick. All right. I think that'll do it. So a little bit of extra time for this live chat. Much appreciate everybody hopping on. Remember, a couple of items for tonight. 8.15 p.m. Eastern time. That's your jock market power hour. Uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. That's a Twitter space. Come on and come chat with me. Holler at me. Yeah, that'll be fun. And then um, I'll be at Riv tomorrow. So come say what's up. Also, go pet your dog. All right, later.